Welcome to the future of XYZ. I'm your host, Lisa Grelnick, principal and founder of LVG & Co., an independent strategy consultancy based in New York City. Through quick and candid conversations with innovative leaders, we aim to foster new thinking and explore big questions about where we are as a world and where we're going. future of XYZ. Today, July 1st, we are going to be speaking about the future of patriotism. With us is Peter Kreitler. Peter, it's so nice to have you with us. Thank you, Lisa. Nice to be here. Um, Peter was educated at Brown University and got his Master's in Divinity from Virginia Seminary. He was a priest in the Episcopal Church for 51 years. Still is. Still is a priest, I should say. Uh, also, just a wonderful listener. He uh, hosted a TV show built on environmentalism for over 12 years. He's written over six books, including a book that was published right after 9 11 uh, in conjunction with the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C., called United We Stand. That included excerpts from a 45-year collection uh, of magazines that feature the U.S. flag on the cover of them, uh, which is pretty extraordinary. Uh, And Peter has some pretty unique philosophies on life that I personally have come to respect immensely and I think are really important as we look at the future of patriotism. And Peter is based in Los Angeles, California. Again, Peter, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Lisa. Nice to be in Connecticut. <laughs> exactly. Where I was born. Indeed. Well, and, and founding fathers as well. So it's always it's always good to come full circle. Um, I mean, you've done so many interesting things, Peter. My bio of you doesn't even begin to to discuss your 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 depth and and breadth as well. Um, but what is it that got you interested in the subject matter of patriotism most importantly? Well, I think uh, when any of us want to take a look at our lives, we have to go back to the beginning, because I think the early informative years are really crucial in who we become. I was born uh, in July of 1942. We had entered into the Second World War, and because of that, my dad went off to serve in the Naval Air Corps, and I went to live with my grandparents. And every morning, my grandfather would go out and raise the flag on the beautiful 30-foot flagpole in front of his home, step back, salute the flag, and then go in and have breakfast. I grew up with this. I was two, three, four, five at that time frame. I think that set for me what I call experiential patriotism. Mm -hmm. I was lucky. Uh, My grandfather had a sense of duty to the country. He couldn't serve because of his age, but in discussions with him when I became a young man, he would always say, you know, find a cause and do something in your life, do something. Doesn't make a difference what it is, but do something. Well, from that time, I was fascinated with the American flag and I grew to love it, um, but not worship it. And there's a big distinction there, big distinction. I worship what it stands for, justice, happiness, equality, all of of the above. And so uh, that began for me, uh, my quest to find meaning in life. And that's 
why I uh, graduated from college, went on to seminary, became an ordained Episcopal priest. And even during my priesthood, every 4th of July, I would invite the local Unpapa band and we would play patriotic music during the church service every 4th of July that I served in the church in California. Uh, it was fun. It was fun. They played the Sousa marches and everybody felt that. But at the same time, I would preach on the meaning of the flag. I often spoke about justice because for me, that's the essential part of patriotism. And I began there. And then it grew into building this collection, which is over 5,000 pieces, individual magazines with the American flag on the cover, ranging from 1839 to the present day. Wow. And it continues to grow. And it continues to grow. And that's largely because, of course, our, per, you know, it's, it's not only American patriotism. We are talking about American patriotism today and the future of American patriotism. But patriotism is, of course, um, something unique. So, I, I mean, I, before we get into what patriotism is and what it isn't and what makes a patriot, I'd love to understand a little bit more. You've talked about your own history a bit. What makes you an expert in this subject matter? Now, there's a term that describes an expert on the flag, and it's a vexillologist. Love the word. It's hard to pronounce, hard to speak. Okay, I am not an expert on the American flag. I'm an expert on my collection of magazines. Um, I have found that as I have read through these magazines, I've discovered pieces about what it means to be an American. There are people writing about it all the time. Even current magazines, Town and Country, a few years ago had a whole thing on what's a patriot. And a lot of celebrity and well-known politicians commented on what they thought patriotism was. So it's really that I'm not an expert on patriotism. I just have gleaned from magazines and articles by others what I've put into now a compendium of understanding about the subject. For example, I grew up thinking that flag waving was patriotic until I read an, no, it's not. Until I read an article in a magazine that was published in August of 1943 calling, called Calling All Girls. And the editor, a Miss Jessup wrote, flag waving is not patriotic. That caught my attention. Her article went on to say, look, anybody can wave a flag. How does that help the country? How does that show love of country? Do something. She encouraged girls to collect newspapers to darn socks, to save aluminum, to do something at their level for the war effort. Yeah. So that began for me a rethinking of patriotism. So I have now said, okay, well, what is flag waving? What is lapel pin wearing? Peter had to come up with a definition because every time I gave a talk, I would throw this out and they'd say, okay. So what is flag waving? Flag waving is the celebration of what those who have come before us have done on our behalf. It can be somebody serving in the Peace Corps. It can be somebody serving in the military, but it's an action that somebody else has done that has made our country great. 
And to me, that made me smile because that's a real definition of a patriot. It's Somebody an honor. who it's an honor, and this that's fascinating to use that word. In the articles I've read, it's very clear that I can't call myself a patriot. Uh-uh. No way can no way can I call myself a patriot. That's an honor bestowed upon me by somebody else. Fascinating. So in order to be a patriot, someone else has to say you are a patriot for what the actions you have done. Exactly. For example, what did Adelaide Stevenson, who ran for president, senator, so forth, what did he say about patriotism? Patriotism is not short, frenzied bursts of emotion, but the dedication of a lifetime. A lifetime. So if somebody wants to call me a patriot now, that's their prerogative, and I will accept the accolade. But Peter is never going to call himself a patriot. That's an honor bestowed by others. And where I got off base with the patriots that describe themselves is when a Republican congressman from California wrapped himself in the flag on the House of Representatives and said, Boy, am I a patriot. I'm hugging the flag. Missed the point completely. Mm. Missed the point completely. So I, I start from there. Um, and that's that was a beginning point for me to understand what patriotism is not. Mm -hmm. Even one writer said it's not maudlin flag waving. <laughs> and look at what we've seen. That was decades ago. No. But now what did we see on the insurrection on July on January 6, 2021? Maudlin flag waving. Okay. Absolutely. Well, it's interesting. I mean, in the modern world, there's so many we're we're loose with language these days, let's put it to put it mildly, right? Everyone Correct. can attribute their own definitions to words that once upon a time had pretty specific meanings. And I I I'm I'm picking up, Peter, from you, that your belief is that patriotism and being a patriot is certainly among those that has been uh, appropriated, if that's a fair word to use. Well, even writers very famous have said it's the last refuge of a scoundrel. <laughs> I mean, a magnificent definition of a lot of people. They have hidden behind this false patriotism, this misunderstood patriotism. Patriotism, if you go through my collection, and I've been through 5,000 magazines, and I've looked at what people have said, there's not always articles in these magazines about it, but I've gone through them all. And I've come up with six definitions of a patriot, six simple definitions. Wow. Number one, said by Senator Daniel Webster of Massachusetts, in the middle 1800s, before the Civil War, he said, if you're going to be a representative of the people, you must be a sentinel on the watchtower of liberty. Mm, I love that one. Wow. You talk about powerful. Absolutely. So who, who's he speaking to today? All of us to be on the watchtower of liberty. So our liberties are not taken from us by a party a person, a policy, or a platform, or a platform, the four Ps. <laughs> no. Okay, number two, 
What's the second facet? I call them the six facets of a patriot because a facet shines like a diamond. You know, you think of a facet of a diamond. Brilliant. These are six brilliant ideas, not mine. I've incorporated them into putting them together. Number two, Teddy Roosevelt, great lover of the environment, controversial guy, but very bright, well-read. What did he say? What's the foremost duty of every American citizen? To serve your country. Nope, to vote. Oh, yes. To vote. And is that timely for today? The foremost duty of every American citizen, not those over here or over there, not those white, not those black, every American citizen, their duty is to vote. Foremost duty. Okay. Yeah. We have to make it easier for people to vote. We have to make it an opportunity that everybody can avail themselves of easily and yearly. That's important. Just local elections are just as important as the national election. Yeah, if not more, because that's where everyone rises from. Eventually it makes it to state or federal levels. Exactly, but what do we often think of? You know, 50% vote, in the national elections, 25% vote in the local. Yeah, for we need to get it. We need to get 50 in the local and 75 in the national. That's yeah. where we should be going, period. Throwing away all the barriers so everybody yeah. can vote. Teddy Roosevelt, go to Republican. That's what he said. Number three, third facet, service. I have a cover from 1917 with Uncle Stam standing on the cover, flag in the background, holding a trumpet. In front of him are about 10 people. And the magazine headline on the cover says, a call to service. That call is directed at you. That call is directed at me. That call is directed at every single one of the 350 million <laughs> yeah, out of us. Yeah. Service in some capacity. Yeah. Even during the Second World War, handicapped people served at home in the home front. They couldn't serve on the battlefront, but they willingly served on the home front. Every discipline, every profession, every single person in this United States can serve in some capacity the greater good. Yeah. That's a third and really important. And I want to just pause on that one because I think service is something, at least in my experience, you know, my grandfather also left, you know, three kids behind to go and serve in the Second World War, you know, three young kids and you don't know what's going to happen and a lot of people didn't come home. And you think and he, you know, his, his, his father-in-law lost his life, you know, when one was not even born yet on the battlefields of the First World War. I think, you know, without a draft and without that world war attitude, I think we've lost a little bit in my generation and younger, that sense of service. Now, we're not only talking military service, I understand, but that we are all one and we're fighting for something bigger than ourselves. That kind of level of patriotism is perhaps that service is different today or is perceived differently. So I appreciate your raising the service idea and it's not only of an older generation, you know, of the greatest generation it is for all of us. And that leads us to the fourth one. And when you do serve, there may be some sacrifices. And one of the sacrifices that 
is historically honored is military service and the sacrifice of the soldier overseas far, far away from home. But also let's think about Mrs. Bixby. Mrs. Bixby was a mother of five boys during the Civil War. All five were killed. Now, is that a sacrifice as we know it? Well, we never talk about that. What about the sacrifice of the mother at home who loses the son or daughter on the battlefield? Or the, or the wife who's holding it down or the husband these days, right? Who's, who's holding it together while the spouse is, is serving. Exactly, and sacrifice can also be in terms of thrift. We are such an overly consumptive society today. There are more billionaires now than there were during the Pharaoh's time. I mean, the Pharaohs built pyramids to themselves. Now they're building yachts to themselves, ranging a small mega yacht now is 200 feet. Yeah. It used to be 100 feet, now it's 200. That's a small one. Yeah. Private owners own yachts up to 600 feet, the size of cruise ships. Yeah. Conspicuous consumption is killing the planet as fast as too many people on the planet. And, and yet people are aspired to as well. That is, that is somehow part of what is our duty or our, our right. All right, but put it back into a patriot. What does a patriot do? He doesn't rob the resources from the present from our future children and grandchildren. And that's what we're doing. Yeah. If we have a barren planet, I don't get, you won't be able to build a boat. Right. Much less 600 feet. So sacrifice comes down to thrift as well. That's another aspect of the patriot. The fifth one is celebration. Okay. It must not devolve into eating hot dogs. Oh, I love hot dogs and swigging beer and going to fireworks. That's the celebration. What? And parades. And parades. That's the celebration part. But also, we want to have an understanding of why we're celebrating. Yeah. We're celebrating because a bunch of patriots with an impressive ruler got together. And it started in Boston at a tea party. <laughs> we all know about the tea party. They threw tea into the into the Boston Harbor because of a horrible tax. That led to a revolution. So celebration is important. Do not forget to celebrate. Number six, and this is one nobody ever talks about. If you look behind me, you can see it because of the lighting. There's a flag that's tattered. Mending is the sixth facet mm -hmm. because everybody can do something to mend the flag, metaphorically. Metaphor, um, I have about 50 covers in my collection of women sewing the flag. The old Betsy Ross standby. Exactly, and I have one man. There's a photograph of an older gentleman on the cover of a magazine mending the flag. Metaphorically, it says we can all do something to make this better. As Justice Douglas said, we must never excuse the sins in our nation, but we should all do something to make it better. My mantra is, I love this country for what she is, but I also will work hard to make her better. And that's really, to me, the basis of a good patriotic life. You love your country so much that you don't excuse its sins. It's, it's, you're willing it's, to stand up for that. 
It's pretty amazing, Peter, I have to say, listening to you. I mean, you and I have our own conversations often, but hearing your passion and conviction on this topic, and obviously through the lens of a religious man uh, who's worked with many families, many communities over your lifetime of service. Um, these six facets uh, of, of patriotism really add up to a whole hell of beans, actually. It's, it's, a, it's an enormous opportunity as we look towards the future of patriotism. I like the metaphorical mending as the sixth facet as well, because there is obviously, as we head into the 4th of July holiday and the summer and all the things that come after it and is captured in you know, Labor Day uh, in, in September, we have a lot of work to do coming out of COVID, coming out of the very divisive political series. I mean, what is your, from where you stand, both as a non-expert expert on the subject of patriotism, but also as a, as a patriot and as a human being, what is your hope for the future of patriotism in this country? I was, I was privileged to spend uh, some time with President Reagan. Uh, he, he said something that was very important to me in terms of not policy. We didn't disagree on a we, we disagreed on a lot of policy issues. But he said to me, you know what we really want is an informed patriotism. I like that. That's the place to begin. An informed patriotism. Let's not take somebody else's word for it. Let's get into this a little bit. And what's it what's it mean to love your neighborhood? Where's the word environment come from? Environ, the French, surroundings. You know, if you start by loving locally, you're gonna love nationally. Yeah. Love your own community, get involved, do something. Teach your juniors in your family. Be an elder in the good sense of the word. Talk to them about the flag and what it means and what people have sacrificed for over the years. Yeah, that's where it all begins and where it has to end. Yeah, you have to end with my generation teaching your generation who will teach the next generation. Absolutely. Passing on the story of America. Of great America, of, of the, the America that is still great, right? It's, it's always been great, but it has its flaws. And that's why the flag is tattered. It's symbolic of that. Yeah, I've flown. I've flown a lot of flags since 1942 on our because it's the same flagpole, the same house on Cape Cod, and I save them, and they'll last about a season. We light it at night because that's official. We light it at night, but a flag will last about a season, and then it's torn apart. And then you can cut it and you can sew it and so forth, but eventually you gotta replace it. That's where we ought to be. We are working towards making it better all the time without excusing its sins. Thank you, Justice Douglas from the 1850s. So um, yeah, I'm passionate about it because I have children and grandchildren and I want them to inherit a world where they grow up, where there's equity, racial justice, economic justice for everybody. And frankly, that's what our constitution, what our bill of rights and what our flag stands for. And that's why I proudly fly it in the summer, salute it and go in and have breakfast or my grandchildren now raise it. I love you, Peter. Um, it's always an inspiration speaking with you. Thank you for capturing the future of patriotism on this uh, July day. 
Um, it's, a, you know, I, I hope that people will read some of your books and, uh, and really understand your passion and the influence that uh, your generation, frankly, still has on the subject and that we need to, to your point, pass down from, from one to another. Exactly. Well, thank you, Lisa, for doing this and inviting me back to Connecticut, where I was born on July 21st, 1942. I love it. Well, I'm looking forward to that upcoming birthday party, Peter. All righty. <laughs> Have a good one. And everyone listening, thank you so much for joining us on the Future of Patriotism. If you don't already subscribe to Future of XYZ on YouTube or Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Apple, wherever you get your podcast, please do so. And you can also follow Future of XYZ on Instagram to stay up to date. Peter, it's been a pleasure and happy upcoming July 4th, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Future of XYZ. If you like what you've been hearing, please follow Lisa Grelnick on LinkedIn. Visit future-of.xyz or subscribe to The Future of XYZ podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.